Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Amen and amen. Oh, and thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Yeshua still reigns even if you sit down. <laughs> Y'all, I'm very excited. Of course, we had this weekend is our uh, married couples retreat, and so we've got a large group of married couples that are all um, set to, to head out uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, to the retreat place we have, and it's going to be great through over the weekend. And looking forward to Rabbi Dr. Bruce and his uh, wonderful wife, Rebetzin Glenda. Uh, lead us in uh, an, an amazing, what's going to be an amazing marriage retreat. I'm, I'm confident of that. Uh, it's going to be a blessing. If you are not going to that, or if maybe you're watching online remotely, we actually have uh, one of our members uh, who is coming in from out of state just for the retreat. So I'm really excited about that. But we have a lot of members all over the place. And if you couldn't make it, if you're one of our remote members, or if you're single, or if you just couldn't quite make it, you're married couple, please pray for our retreat this weekend that the Lord pours out His Spirit. But but we, but we, all of you uh, get to hear Dr. Tucker today uh, in our Shabbat service, and, and we are very excited about that. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Bruce Tucker uh, was a member here of Bethlehem for many years, and his wife and family. And, uh, and then the Lord uh, led him down to Ormon Beach, which is in the Daytona Beach area, or Ormon Beach, Florida. Tough assignment by the beach, I know, for a Messianic rabbi to take over the congregation down there. Uh, and he has done, Beth Judah, he's done such a wonderful job uh, and has been just tremendously blessed down there. So it's one of our sister congregations down in the uh, middle of, uh, area of Florida there. And what a, a blessing it is uh, to have Dr. Bruce uh, home back with us, if you will, again. Uh, and so let's give them all a big welcome home, Dr. Bruce Tucker. Woo! Thank you very much. Thank you for unmuting me. <laughs> oh, it's good to see everybody. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Exodus, if we'll please. Rabbi Kevin, uh, what an honor. Thank you for... Uh, the invitation to come tonight and tomorrow and for uh, Glenda, Gilly, and me to be a part of, of the Married Couples Retreat. We ourselves uh, have been on the Congregation Bethlehem Retreat. It is such a blessing. Uh, Glenda, will you just stand and just wave, greet everybody? Uh, I'm so looking forward to this weekend with her. Uh, I don't know when the last time was you and I got to get away, uh, so we're going to enjoy all of this, uh, all of this together. 
Uh, so good to see you. Wow, we've had quite a week. We had planned to drive up yesterday, and the week just, there was so much going on this week, so we decided to drive up today. I can see that Henry County has still refused to honor my request to build an overpass completely over the entire county. I don't know what they're waiting for. They clearly don't care that a seven and a half hour, a, a six and a half hour trip became nine and a half hours today. Just don't understand that. Uh, this, this is what I'd really like, uh, this is what I'd really like to say to them. Knock, knock. Henry County. Henry County, boo hoo. That's the best worst joke I've ever told in my life. I made it up in Henry County today. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful to be together. Let's go ahead and turn to uh, Shemot, Exodus chapter 25. As we begin, so excited about this weekend. Today is the fourth day of Adar, as has already been announced. We are in the first year of an agricultural cycle, a Shabbat cycle, and in the first year, it's good to focus on planting seed. And as we take a look in uh, Exodus and Aparsha this week, we're understanding that in Exodus, we're called to plant new seed of entirely new freedom. Aparsha this week is teruma, And uh, teruma uh, means offering. So we're going to ask the question this week, uh, how do we build our own sanctuary? How do we build our own sanctuary? And of course, as, as Gilly and I have been praying along the way, everything that we're talking about tonight and, and tomorrow morning is going to be a gateway into what we do at the couple's retreat this week. But the thing that God really does in the book of Exodus and that he calls us to consider is in this new freedom that we have, as we've read through the Parsha, in this new freedom that we have, how do we now build? How do we build a new sanctuary? Why is it so important to focus on building our own sanctuary? It is so easy in our world to live the kind of life where we feel that we have empty hearts. We're going through the motions, but our passion has gone away. And if we go on too long with empty hearts, our passion goes away for our relationship with God. Our passion goes away in our relationship and our marriage. Our passion goes away for guiding our children in the way they are to go. Our passion goes away from our home being what God has called our home to be. Because we've spent most of the last few years surviving rather than thriving. It's easy to get empty hearts when we're doing that. It's so easy in our world, and especially what we've been to in the last few years, to feel like we have an empty heritage. Like, I don't even, uh, less than 4%, I think it is, of Americans can give the names of their great-great-grandparents. Less than 4%. Somewhere along the way, we begin to think that 
we, each of us, is an island in the generational cycle that we are all that we know about who we are and we fail to remember that there's a heritage before us and there's a heritage coming after us. It's easy to have, feel like we have an empty heritage, that I'm just out here on my own. It's easy to feel like we have empty hopes. When we have been through what we have been through as individuals and as married couples and as homes and as synagogues, it is easy to feel like, do we have the hope of re-engaging where we once were? Sometimes we forget that a few years ago, we were kind of still struggling with our hopes. And yet three years later, it's almost like that Melu has so encroached upon us that we feel like, where is hope? How do we understand hope? How do we give anybody a clear picture of hope? Is there anybody who is a model of the kind of, ha the kind of heritage and the kind of hopes that we all need? Where is the model for our society? talking with Candace the other day as we were talking about the YMJA retreat, and I hope that your household and your young people will go to that. But we talked about our society is no longer a safe place spiritually and morally for our young people. Where do we find that place that there's a model? How do we, how do we build a sanctuary for ourselves? How do we build a sanctuary for our marriages? How do we build a sanctuary for our in our synagogue? How do we build a sanctuary for this society? And one of the wonderful things about the synagogue is that as we have grown through these thousands of years now, we've always understood that the synagogue is the model for many, many synagogues. The synagogue that we develop here is to be a model for the mini synagogue, M-I-N-I, -I, that is your home. That everything we do in the synagogue is not just so we can do it in the synagogue, but everything we do in the synagogue is a model for what must happen in each of our households. We extend it from here to there that we have many synagogues, but all of our many synagogues and all of our many synagogues have a model, and it's what we're doing right here tonight. And what we're doing here tonight and what we'll do tomorrow morning will roll over into what we do tomorrow night at the retreat, tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. And if you survive the zip line, then you'll be with us on Sunday morning for the last session. God is calling us in this passage tonight to learn how to build a sanctuary for ourselves. Where is Israel at this point in time? Israel uh, is the, the prime people on the stage tonight of this Parsha. And here's the interesting thing, that Israel is now building something as a free people for the very first time. They've never, they have not built anything before. 
We had a bar mitzvah uh, a few weeks ago, and it was an international bar mitzvah, and so there were a lot of images there, and there were actually pyramids of, uh, uh, there were actually cardboard constructions of the pyramids, and there's something about those that draw me. Because even though when Jacob went down to be with Joseph in Egypt, over their shoulder, even though Egypt said, we'll take care of you, the pyramids of Egypt are old enough so that when Jacob and Joseph went down to Egypt, they saw the pyramids over their shoulder and knew that slave people built those pyramids. But now here's Israel for the first time with freedom to build. And here's an amazing thing about the rest of the book of Exodus. From this point on to the end of the book of Exodus, they are building the sanctuary. They're building the tabernacle. They were building something together as a free people with the resources that God has for them. And here's the beautiful thing about it. From this point in the book of Exodus, Shemot, all the way to the end of Exodus, Shemot, there is no record whatsoever of any conflict that was taking place in Israel. They were building something together. When we focus on building something together, our tendency to have conflict finds no place to have root because all of our thinking and all of our hearts and all of our desires and all of our hopes and all of our efforts are to reach this goal of building what we have been called and desire to build. And it's the most amazing period of time in Israel's history is when they were building a sanctuary in the middle of a wilderness. And God begins to speak to them. Let's go to chapter 25. We build our own sanctuaries in three motivational ways. And the first one that we take a look at tonight is that we build our own sanctuary by elevating our hearts. Let's go to chapter 25, verse 1. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Tell B'nai Israel to take up an offering for me, From anyone whose heart compels him, you are to take my offering. These are the contributions which you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, pearl, and scarlet cloth, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red, seal skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and sweet incense and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the, for the breastplate. Have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You are to make it all precisely according to everything I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the furnishes within, just so you must make it. Here's a model for the sanctuary. This model sanctuary becomes the model by which each of us builds a sanctuary for ourselves. 
this model sanctuary becomes a, a model of the sanctuary that we are to build within our marriages. This model sanctuary is the model sanctuary for what we are to do when we build our houses, when we rent our apartments, when we buy our houses. There's a model here that God gives to us so that our many synagogues, our many sanctuaries that are beyond the walls of this sanctuary, that those sanctuaries also look like this sanctuary. This is important. This is important. Back in verse 1, where it says, Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, tell B'nai Yisrael to do this. These are PL verbs. They're intensive verbs. They're intensive verbs. We were driving through Henry County today, and and Gilly said to me, you're really intense. I'm trying to stay alive. These are PL verbs. This is really, really important that we learn how to build this safe place. We learn how to build this set-apart place. And I want you to tell them, and, and this is the first thing that starts. This is where it opens. He says, I want you to take up an offering from me. The word here, of course, is our Parsha title, Taruma. And this is an old verb that literally means Colin Dalich uh, actually define it as to lift up an offering. In later years, the idea of lifting up was not so much used in terms of other people's use of the word. But within Israel, there was always this idea that we lift up our offerings. We elevate our offerings. And in the first this very first verse or two, he uses this term three times. In the TLV, the first one is translated offering. The second one is translated offering. The third one is translated contribution. All three of them are the word teruma. In the Cambridge study of this passage, it means to, it means to lift up a part of the whole. Not just to take something over here from my life and lift it up, but the whole idea of teruma is to take a part of the whole and lift it up to God. A part of the whole thing and lift it up. Where does it all start? It starts with a, an elevated heart. That's the part the Lord is after this weekend, beloved. It's not going to be a complex weekend. We've got a lot of stuff to say. But what the Lord really calls us to do at the simplicity of building a sanctuary is to say, out of my whole being, the very first thing I need to do in building is lift up my heart to you. This is my offering. He goes in the next verses, verse 3, he tells them what to bring. And essentially we can say this, bring the best that you have. Bring the best part of you to lift up before the Lord. And he calls, and then he says, make a sanctuary for me. The word sanctuary is simply another way of saying, make a place and a space that's set apart for me. Take the best part of your life, lift it up to me, 
and begin to play, begin to build a space and a time where I may dwell with you. It's a model for the many. There's a pattern to it. The patterns here are the same patterns. It was the pattern for the tabernacle in the wilderness, but it's the same pattern for us as individuals. It's the same pattern for a marriage, and it's the same pattern for a household. It's the same pattern for a society, but our society is not going this way any longer. He said there's going to be something in the holiest place. Moshe read about this tonight. There's going to be an ark. Let me try that again. There's going to be an ark. That just sounds so weird. It's like O-O-A-K. I never thought every time I call you A-K, you probably think, what does he think my name is? Does he have a something wrong here? He says there's going to be an ark, but there's something about this ark that's very important in this most holy place of your elevated heart. Within this ark, there's going to be the testimony, the words that I have for you. But there's something else about this ark that's very, very important. It's going to have an atonement cover. It's going to have a place of mercy. That the presence of God begins with mercy. Father, help us in our marriages to begin with mercy for each other. May that prayer begin tonight. There's going to be an atonement cover. There's going to be a mercy seat. And then there's something, you know, how do you do this? You find this most holy place in yourself and in your marriage and in your home. You find this most holy place and you make in this most holy place a place of mercy, a place of covering, a place of safety, that we're safe here. But why? Why do we do this and how do we build in this way? Look at verse 20. He says, the cherubim, there were these two creatures. We don't know how to define them. We don't know what they were. Cherubim is just a really wonderful Hebrew word for creatures. There are these two beings and these two creatures. Look at verse 20. It says that, first of all, it says that they are to be one piece with the atonement cover. And then he says in verse 20, the cherubim are to spread out their wings above, shielding the atonement cover with their wings. Here we go. Each Facing its companion. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the atonement cover. I don't think that ever really stood out to me as much as it did this past week when I was studying preparing for tonight. The faces of these two creatures are facing toward each, they're facing each other. But the focus in their facing each other is their faces are upon the mercy of that atonement cover. My Father, your spirit is so strong in your word. You are to put the atonement cover on top of the ark, and inside the ark you will put the testimony that I will give you. They are face to face. On our retreat, we are going to be talking about 
the why and the how of being face to face. Why that's a beginning point, and how do we reestablish that, especially after these years? And this is why we face each other, and this is why we face each other with the presence of God's love and mercy and forgiveness in verse 22. He says, when we're face to face with each other and our faces are on the mercy of God, he said, I will meet with you there. I will speak with you from above the atonement cover. I'm not going to get too far into this right now, but because we got to find out how to do it. And when we find out how to do it, and we're going to talk about it this weekend, we're going to hear God's voice. But there's something that will have to happen on the retreat before you're face-to-face with each other. We'll talk about it. He says, above the atonement cover, from between the two cherubim, cherubim, that are they're connected to this ark of the testimony. He said, I will speak you with you there about all that I will instruct you to do. I will show you how to build a safe place for yourself. I will show you how to build a set-apart place for yourself. And when each of us learns how to build this set-apart place and this safe place, God's going to meet us there. Only the high priest could go here in the old days. And then Yeshua, because he was the only one who could do atonement, was the first one to enter into the holy place of heaven. But now we're all invited into this sanctuary. Wow, we're living in a tough world, beloved. It is so good to get back it is so good to go forward in having another retreat because we're living in a tough world. The one thing that we've got to learn again and again and again every day of our lives, every week of our lives, we've got to learn resilience. This world is not getting any easier. Yeshua himself said, because of the increase of lawlessness, the love of most will grow cold. When the Lord picks that time, and this may very well be the time, we've got to prepare ourselves for a world that's not going to be getting more holy in its sanctuaries. We've got to understand this resilience. We've got to understand what it means to have resilience in our personal lives and in our families. We've got to start to build this into the fabric of the way we talk and the way we think and the way we, the way we believe with each other, the way we worship. We've got to build in this sense of resilience. One medical profession defined resilience 
as the process and outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or changing life experiences, especially through mental, emotional, and behavioral flexibility and adjustment to the external and internal demands. Just that definition stresses me out. We've got to learn how to adapt. We've got to learn to be flexible. We've got to learn. But in order to adapt and be flexible, we've got to have this sense of confidence in who we are and where we are and how we are to live and where we're going. It's not going to get easier for each of us as individuals. It's not going to get easier for our marriages. It is not going to get easier for our children. It's not going to get easier for our young people. In the year 2020 and 2021, a massive research was done among the college students, and college students are increasingly becoming more despondent in life. In 2020, 2021, 60% of college students exhibited some characteristic that is illustrative of a mental problem if it's not checked and taken care of, 60%. And it's only increasing year by year. Our teenagers are experiencing so much information overload. And when it comes to resilience, in one particular uh, medical document that is provided for teenagers, out of the top 10 things that teenagers can do, the number one thing, the first thing is this, don't ask your questions alone. Don't be alone in your most difficult questions. Get together with someone who has experience. At least someone who has experience in the questions, and especially the questions that no one can answer yet about the way our world is and why it is the way it is. We've got to learn to get this sense of resilience. And what we're going to be looking at tonight and what we're going to be looking at this weekend is how do we build this resilience into our marriages? Help us move forward. Let's go to our half Torah in 1 Kings chapter 6. The second way to build our own sanctuaries in a very motivational way is to, to elevate our spiritual heritage. Hundreds of years later, it was no longer a canvas tabernacle. It was now a stone temple. In chapter, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass... 480 years after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build Adonai's house. 480 years. They still knew what they were to do. They were to build a house. Let's go to verse 11. And then the word of Adonai came to Solomon saying, as for this house which you are building, the process of this, 
If you will walk in my statutes, execute my ordinances, and keep all my mitzvot by walking in them, then I will establish my word with you, which I swore to your father David. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. There's a spiritual heritage that we can connect with, and it's worth studying our spiritual heritage. And if somewhere along the line, someone fell off the wagon, go back a little bit further and a little bit further. Go back and learn the names, learn the places, learn the people. There's a spiritual heritage that when we elevate our spiritual heritage and reconnect with our spiritual heritage, then we have something we want to pass on because we want to experience it itself. Wow, this has been a week. In Ormond Beach, Florida, we had two unexpected deaths in our congregation and another life and death experience. Got a call last Sunday night from one of our newer members and families, and they fill up a whole row of those family row. And she said, my brother just died, and I haven't experienced anything about dying since my grandmother. I don't know what to do. Martin was 36 years old, and he passed away on Sunday night. But the one thing that he had done was reconnect with his spiritual heritage, his Jewish heritage from Germany. And for the last months of his life, for the first time in his life, he was beginning to fly. He was going to university again. He was getting a degree. He was coming to our synagogue. We talked about Yeshua. And the one thing that in the question about why so young, he did have a genetic proclivity to heart problems. His heart had already stopped once, sometime earlier, and then it stopped again. And the one thing that we celebrated Wednesday night was Martin's short life, yet his long heritage. And there's something about what God is doing in us as a people. There's something about what God is doing in the Jewish people and then in a Messianic Jewish synagogue where Jews and all nations come together that God is building a heritage for us. I believe that when Zechariah began to prophesy and when he said the day is going to come when 10 men are going to take, grab the garment of one Jew and say, please take us with you because we've heard that God is with you. There is nothing that indicates that that's only for the people who are pagans and heathens. The day may come when other followers of Yeshua have become so culturally relevant that they are no longer able to explain to their families and the people the meaning of history. And I believe that there will be believers and followers of Yeshua who will come and grab the garments of Messianic Jewish synagogue 
worshipers, and they're going to say to us, look, we've tried to do it our own way, and we're believers in Yeshua too, but listen, something's happening among you. Something's happening among your people. I believe, and I'm so thankful for what's been happening at Asbury and Lee University and all those places this week, but I believe that ultimately all of this is going to lead to what Scripture says it will lead to, that the whole world is going to be looking for those who live a Jewish lifestyle, because he talks about credibility that's been going on for thousands of years and in a world where we become so culturally relevant that we don't even understand what culture is, the Lord is saying to us, elevate your spiritual heritage. Be proud of who you are, where you've come from. Be proud of where you're going and what you're doing together and I will bring the world to you. We need to elevate our spiritual heritage. Devote yourself right now to saying, I'm going to elevate my spiritual heritage. I'm going to find out who I am and where I've been and where I'm going. Psalm 27 says, One thing I ask of you, Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life, and that I may gaze upon your beauty and seek you in your temple, in your sanctuary. That was a beautiful song tonight. I could have sung that one for about an hour. Fall on us, Lord. Spirit of God, begin to move in us right now. Begin to speak to us right now. In our Brett Hadashah section in Acts chapter 2, the Torah and the prophets and the writings always lead us to Yeshua. And so how does Yeshua fit into all of this? Yeshua upholds, fulfills, and he continues to complete the Torah of building a sanctuary and learning how to do this. And what happens here in Acts chapter 2 is that Yeshua is building us a sanctuary of the Spirit. And in our MJAA readings uh, this week, we also read Acts chapter 2. And it hasn't escaped me that in our readings this week in Acts chapter 2, it's about Shavuot. How many of you were here for Shavuot? How many of you saw the chuppah? How beautiful it was. It's all about covenant. It's all about relationship. And the very first thing that after Yeshua's sacrifice and he establishes that atonement cover, the very first thing he does is that the Spirit elevates us. He elevates our hope. We build a sanctuary by finding a way to elevate our hope. He elevates our hope of experiences in life. When the day of Shavuot had come, when they were all together in one place, Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues like fire spreading out appeared to them and settled on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Ruach enabled. The Ruach enabled them to speak. The Spirit elevates our expectations of life. He quotes the prophet Joel in verse 16. This is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my ruach on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Wow, we can expect more of life than we've been having. Your young men shall dream dreams and your old men shall dream, uh, see visions and your old men dream dreams. 
even on my servants, my slaves, male and female. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. What are we expecting in our world? I will give wonders in the sky above and skies on the, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoky vapor. It won't be computer graphics. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of Adonai comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Adonai shall be saved. You will have a new open space in your life when you call on Adonai. And as I've worked on this all week long, I think there's a moment right here. This is the moment of this message. This is the moment of this night where God is calling us to call upon him. We are to call upon him. He will reveal himself in the creation he will reveal himself in history. He will reveal himself in the word. He will reveal himself in the things that are happening. But for you personally, he will not reveal himself to you personally until you call upon him. And everyone who calls. Wow, Rabbi Bruce, you're intense tonight. I just drove through Henry County. And the final thing is that the Spirit elevates our exploration of life. Oh, Father. Men of Israel, hear these words. Yeshua, Nasrati, we're going to prepare to pray. Yeshua, Nasrati, a man authenticated to you. By God, with mighty deeds and wonders and signs, God performed through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Yeshua, given over by God's predetermined, planned, and foreknowledge, nailed to the cross by the hand of lawless men. No love, you killed. But God raised him up. He elevated him, releasing him from the pains of death since it was impossible for him to be held by it. For David says about him, I saw the Lord always before me, Shaviti, Adonai, Lenigdi, Tamid, for he is at my right hand, so that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my body will live in hope. Everybody say hope. How's your hope level tonight? The sanctuary will build your hope. Because you will not abandon my soul to the grave, nor let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. He quotes Psalm 16. And Psalm 16 has one more part of this. He says, you've made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Are we ready to expect eternal pleasures in our marriages and in our homes and in each of our lives. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Yeshua offers each of us this sanctuary. Do you know Yeshua as your Messiah? As your, when you know Yeshua as the master and savior of your life, 
He delights in leading you through every Henry County of your life. He's not going to leave you there. He's going to bring you through. Is your marriage stuck in Henry County? Well, may God open the express lane for you in this marriage retreat. If you do not know Yeshua as your Messiah, and you'd like to pray to receive him as Messiah tonight, your leader, would you raise your hand? If you get by your bedside later on tonight and you say, I want a sanctuary where I feel safe, where my life and my hope is elevated, then call on him and he'll be there for you. Avino Mulcano, our father, our king, you're building a sanctuary this weekend, a safe place for each of us, a safe place for our marriages, a safe place for our households, May we model our apartments and houses in some way by your sanctuary. May we have that place that's the holiest place in our apartment, in our home, where we go and you meet us there and we hear your voice. And now we embark upon this weekend. We do just what you did, Yeshua. You withdrew to the quiet places to pray. May these men pray together. May these women pray together. And may we come to understand that you have made us to be the sanctuary of earth. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.